Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast. I'm Paul and today I've got Mandela, who's my special guest. So um, let's get straight on there, shall we? So um, how you doing, Mandela? I'm doing well, Paul. Thanks for having me on. That's not a problem, mate. Not a problem. So um, first of all, you made it known that you're a Christian rapper. Was there a journey over a period of time or did you have an instant epiphany? Well, first of all, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a Christian rapper. I'm a Catholic Christian and a rapper, but the term Christian rap is sometimes used to refer to a genre of music that I don't think all of my songs fall under. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, my primary my primary identity is just Mandala, but if I had to put a label on myself, I'd be more comfortable with the term Catholic rapper because okay. one because number one, I'm more precisely a Catholic rather than just a Christian. And two, Catholic rap isn't really a genre. And so I feel freer to be myself under that label than the Christian rapper label. Yeah, definitely. Because people, when you put Christian in front of a music genre, people t- tend to turn off and say, oh no, it's going to be so happy and it, you know, not deep in the sense of other uh, kind of genres but i sense with uh, your with your at work because i've reviewed a lot of your work actually haven't i um it's not like that it's not it's not preachy it's um it's how you feel at the time and uh, and if you're making a point you're making a point you're not beating around the bush or having an ulterior motive with the point that you're making does that make sense yeah that's absolutely right in my music i'm telling my story my faith journey yeah. i'm talking about maybe satan's influence in the culture i'm talking about things that are personal to me and i'm not necessarily out to just preach to people and just to shove jesus in their faces no that i mean that's good i mean at the end of the day your belief is your belief and other people's belief is their belief and from what i gather from your work from uh, the uh, amount of reviews that i've done of your work it's definitely not preaching definitely not where so hopefully there is no misconception when people listen to this interview versus your work and hopefully yeah people understand more of what you're about for sure yeah i hope i hope people will give me a shot and listen to my music i've got a lot of good music out i put out an ep back in last november called the chronicles of a blind man and then i released american pope this may yeah and i've released a lot of singles in between those two projects and i have a lot more singles coming up but those are the two main projects that i have out right now brilliant i mean i did love american play i did the full review of the entire album as well as doing uh, the individual uh, songs and the links for that will be in the description of this podcast as along with the uh, links the originals from you so if anyone's interested and you haven't heard it there will be a list of links ready for anyone that wants to click on it so uh, moving on slightly your rapper name it has some meaning to you how did you come into the name and and what does it mean to you sure so i chose the name mandala or you could say that the name Mandala chose me at a period in my life when I was very depressed, very lost and struggling to find any meaning in my life. Yeah, I was really into this psychologist named Jordan Peterson. You may have heard of him. Yeah, def- yeah I've uh, come across a lot of his stuff. Uh, a very controversial figure, but I but I actually uh, side with a lot of what he says. Uh, but yeah, carry on, carry on. 
Sure, yeah, he became a viral YouTube sensation a few years ago. And I felt like he spoke in a way that made me believe that he understood how it felt to be completely lost and to be struggling to find meaning in one's life. Uh, Peterson's also, or he was a university professor and he would put all his lectures on YouTube, which I would watch constantly. And one of those lectures, he was talking about the meaning of the movie Pinocchio. And in that lecture, he also mentioned the mandala symbol and the meaning behind it. And for those who don't know, the mandala is a geometric figure and it represents many things among those meanings. Um, are the universe, order, one's spiritual journey, a lot of things it can represent. But at the time when I heard Peterson explain what the mandala was, I was screaming out to the heavens for any purpose in my life, to looking for any semblance of meaning to put into my life. And when he talked about the mandala and how significant it was, my natural response was to grasp onto that mandala and to make that something in myself. And so I just naturally called myself mandala because I thought the mandala has meaning. I want to have deep meaning in my life. So I'm going to just start calling myself mandala. And I'm going to pursue my dream to be a rapper. Brilliant. I mean, that, you know, that's a nice clarification. I, I like it. And I like how the name chose you rather than you well it's a yin yang you both chose yourself to be that and for me that's that's really good it's really good because it just shows that it's got even more meaning yeah and i do feel like it shows me in a sense like it's a tricky thing like of, of course i had to take the initiative and start putting out music with the artist named mandala on it but when i heard peterson say the name mandala something just clicked in my head and i knew there was something special about that word and that i and that my destiny kind of hinged on that and i even talk about this in one of my songs what's my name it's one it's my um it's it's off my american pope album yes and I, I remember I, that i say straight up that i got the name from jordan peterson in one of his lectures and that and that you know i heard my destiny when he mentioned the name mandala Brilliant. Do you consider your name also as a brand and and what does that brand feel to you? Yeah, I do consider my name a brand, the Mandala brand. And what that represents to me is many ideas, but as I've already said, like me redefining myself as Mandala gave my life meaning and empowered me to chase my dreams. I want my brand Mandala to represent that same idea for anyone who might be struggling to find meaning in their lives. What the Mandala brand represents is the ability to transform one's life and and the idea that that once you chase your dreams, you become empowered and that chasing your dreams is actually a very rational thing to do because if you don't chase your dreams you just feel you just shrink inside if there's something deep if there's a deep desire within yourself and you're not you're not letting that flourish you're just shrinking every day i totally agree with you on that one uh, being a content creator myself uh, not just with the x of you channel but my other podcast as well the story ones that i do i've been uh, like i've been writing for years myself and uh, 
it's only within the last uh, 18 months that I decided, you know what, I've got to do something about it. Uh, yeah, you know, I have. Yeah, you know, I have that yearning and urge to get my work out there, just like you. It, you know, once you've got it in your head to f pursue that dream, I personally believe that that is your calling. You have to follow your dream because if you don't follow your dream, then you you're just going to be dead inside. Some people don't have that, and uh, you can tell that they've got nothing behind their eyes. They because they never had a dream or they've never tried to at least grasp that dream. Do you understand on on that meaning? Absolutely, brother. Your phrase, they had nothing, they have nothing behind their eyes is is very profound. And it, it relates back to that Pinocchio movie that Peterson was talking about in his lectures. Yeah. I have a line in my most recent single, Confessions, where I say, I'm like that wooden boy who lied, who almost drowned and came alive. And that's how I felt before I decided to chase the dream to be a rapper. I felt like a wooden boy. Yeah. And that story of Pinocchio is such a timeless story because, because anyone can relate to that, that idea of not feeling like a real person until they chased their dreams, until they started, they stopped lying about who they were and they exactly. started pursuing what gave them meaning. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I started uh, my professional career when I was 15, sweeping people's stages uh, to become a lighting sound engineer, which I've, I did as a passion, you know, and that was my dream to do that. And it's taken me around the world and I've always battled against the odds following that dream. And I also had the dream of being a content creator since I was young as well. I would just come into that really, like, as I said, last 18 months and you have to do it. You, you just got to follow that dream because, you know, there is nothing worse than seeing someone that that's lost that will of life and to live when they're working a job that they despise. I mean, I've done jobs that I've had to, that I really hated, you know, recently during the pandemic. And you and along the way, you meet people who uh, who just look so dead because they just could never follow a dream that they uh, wanted to do. And fortunately for me, in my uh, main career, I actually managed to follow that dream from the age of 15. And I'm now uh, gonna be turning 40 in uh, a year and two months. So I've managed to live that dream. And I hope that, that you can still follow your dream as well as I'm now following my other dream, which is alongside my career. And uh, I just hope that anyone that's listened to this, follow your dreams, because at the end of the day, you have nothing to lose, absolutely nothing to lose, but everything to gain. And all it takes is work, hard work, and you can't go wrong. I mean, what, what do you think on that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. It sounds like a bunch of cliches, you know, to say, follow your dreams and, you know, your dreams will come true. But it's so true. The world yeah. is in your hands. And even when I was in the pit of despair, I, I still believed the idea that I could make the world what I wanted it to be. Like I, I could be whoever I wanted to be. And you know, this is another topic that we can talk about is using fictional characters or using one's imagination to just redefine yourself. I'm someone who's put on a lot of different masks in their lives. And like, I was into the Joker yeah. uh, early on. And I think you saw a lot of the rap battles that I did as the Joker. 
And that was something that empowered me back in the day because I felt like my life had no meaning and I felt like life was a joke. And the Joker was a character that obviously shared that philosophy. And so I just like took on the Joker persona. Yeah. But, but also like whatever you want to do, you can just start doing it incrementally. And before you know it, you'll be on the road to following your dreams. Oh yeah, exactly. It's a process. It's like, um, for example, when I started off in uh, my career in entertainment, doing the technical side, I started sweeping stages. Yeah, it's a process. You can't immediately say I'm going to be uh, this and just expect it to happen like that. You have. It's all about working. It's about stages. It's about how you do it. And uh, with content creation, like yourself and myself as well, it's like okay, right. You start off small, small steps. You know, it's not a race. A good way to describe this in the Rocky, in the movie Rocky, where Stallone's, well, where Rocky turns around and says, it's you against you. At the end of the day, the only way you're going to do it is by battling yourself and your own inhibitions to be able to get out there. And you just do it in stages. Have you heard the term imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome? Yeah. Uh, I'm not too familiar with that, no. Right, so imposter syndrome is um, when you're doing something professionally or anything, it could be any profession that you're doing, and you and you believe that you are the imposter because you don't, you feel that you're, you know, that you're uh, not supposed to be where, where you are. So all your successes, you're just basically cancelling out your own successes and you, you're not following where you need to follow because you feel that you shouldn't be there, you, that you don't deserve it. So you are creating yourself as the imposter. And a lot of people, since the pandemic, for example, a lot of the professionals that I've known, they all feel that, they've, that they're going through the uh, imposter syndrome themselves because, you know, they're just coming back, they're bouncing back and they can't believe that they're actually back. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying that the people are coming back to their jobs and they're feeling feeling like imposters. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's basically it's that self-doubt which stops people from uh, progressing in their careers. So, for example, say uh, say you're working as a, uh, as a supervisor and then you become a manager, for example, it doesn't matter what job it is, you become the manager and then you just your self-doubt says, no, I don't, I shouldn't be a manager because I'm not good or whatnot. And a lot of people are falling into the trap of believing the negativity and not following and not following where they're supposed to be. And you're getting that a lot at the moment within the entertainment industry, but other industries as well. So there's a politician from uh, from my local area. He, uh, he was a prominent politician and he quit because he actually believed that he was the imposter. It's weird. It's such a weird but modern phenomenon. Yeah, it's it's people that feel like they're putting on a false persona. Exactly, exactly. And at the and the bottom line is, as uh, content creators, we mustn't listen to that to that self doubt. We mustn't do it, especially if you're a singer or a dancer, writer, lighting designer, sound engineer, the lot. Yeah, no matter what you are. You mustn't, but you mustn't listen to that self-doubt because you will end up becoming an imposter in your own mind, and it's just not true. You ha people have to fight these demons, and unfortunately, you get people who just 
throw the towel in because of that. It's just, it's dark, but it's happening a lot recently. Absolutely, man. And one thing that I've found helpful in my life is, is redefining myself as Mandala because Dominic Bertino, my birth name, yeah, you know, I, I separate the two, but yet they are also united. The Mandala part of myself is the part of myself that who is reckless, who never self doubts, who is willing to stand in front of hundreds of people and rap because that's what he's called to do. And I compare that to my Dominic Bertino identity because my Dominic Bertino identity is sometimes full of self-doubt and doesn't want to do those things. But even creating that other identity for myself has been effective for me to do the things that I know I was called to do. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's like sometimes I, I actually have to admit this. Um, sometimes I'm feeling the imposter syndrome. It's like I have trouble asking people at the moment to come on as guests because I feel I feel like I'm just starting out. Why would anyone want to come on to my show and whatnot? But that's my personal demon, and I do believe that I'm still and I, that I'm trying to iron this out, and I'm, I'm getting on that. I'm getting a few more interviews that in the in the bag ready to go out. It's just I suppose for me it's a bit of practice because I've not done this before because I've always mainly been that backstage I've not been on the stage if you know what I mean for sure man yeah the, it's it's hard to own it when I started calling myself Mandala it's not like I could say that confidently you know sitting down with family members you know telling my grandma that I'm a rapper that's yeah it wasn't easy to do um starting out but I've gotten to the point where I'm willing to I'm happy to shout that from yeah, the roof that I'm a definitely, rapper. Definitely. And I think p people start to fall in line. Like when, when they hear that, they start to respect that. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, exactly. It's like a lot of uh, performers that I know, singers, dancers and whatnot, a lot of people were like, it's it's so horrible. when it's like someone even said it to me recently as well. When are you going to get a real job? It's like, excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, you can't turn around and say that because at the end of the day, if you can earn a living from something that you love doing, like performing or being a lampy like myself, or even as a content creator, then you should do it. It's it is a real job, you know. The training that you do, even if you pay for that training or you self-train, you put yourself through a lot of stuff to uh, perfect your art and hone it. And I just find it really insulting when people are like, now nah, you should get a real job. It's like, well your real job makes you um, live a life that you hate, <laughs> you know? Well, th that's true. And, you know, I think for a lot of content creators, there's not a quote unquote job in society for us. No. And so we have to create that job. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Manners and rudeness at the end of the day, when someone's bitter about their life choice, they take it out on entertainers and performers and, uh, and artistic types. Yeah, anyway, for sure. Yeah. yeah, people acting out of their woundedness. Oh yeah. And sometimes that's that's easy to see and Yeah. And yeah, uh, we we got to do our best to be charitable with those folks cuz you know, I think we I've been there where I'm bitter because I didn't do something that I wish I would have done and I see someone else doing it. True, but then um when you when you lick your wounds and uh you act upon it. I act upon it and you know, yeah, sometimes you have to lick your wounds. But anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. So um 
how old were you when you start when you first started your journey in in music? Well, I was about I was about eighteen. Yeah. When I was in college and I started writing my own rhymes for the first time in a while. Like I, I would memorize a lot of lyrics from rappers that I liked and artists that I liked, but I, I didn't really have the creative ability myself until college. And so I, I would write my own lyrics, but I didn't have any means for really recording them. And when I got out of college around 21 or 22, I, I would record just basic songs in my in my basement with a basic Blue Yeti mic. Yeah. And I would put out some pretty low quality music, but it was something that kept me going, kept me waking up in the morning, gave me motivation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, um, you know, I met my friend Jack Murray, who's my main producer right now, uh, a couple years ago. And he, he had a home studio that he let me record in and he and I have been making a lot of music since two years ago when I met him. And um, now I've got my own capacity to make music in my own home. And I've been doing that for for about a year now. Nice. So, uh, so what music software are you using at the moment? You're talking software and microphone? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's, your, what's your basic rig up at the moment? I've got just, you know, a studio studio mic. I've yeah. got, I've got, um, I've got noise canceling foam. I've got Logic Pro software, Logic Pro X. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's really all that you need. You just need a space to record your music and then the proper software. Yeah. To do that. Exactly. See, at the end of the day, yeah, for people who are trying to get into this, and you're list, and if they're listening, start small. You can't go out there and buy all the best equipment to start with it doesn't work that way it's like at the moment the computer that i'm using to make this podcast on i <laughs> i uh, got it's a second-hand computer and it cost me uh 95 pounds which uh in us dollars we're talking about um if i'm right on the conversion it's about 70 dollars so you know you start off small and plus I've upgraded this. I just bought extra bits and made it better. It's just at the end of the day, you got to work within your budget and then don't panic. You just build it up and build it up and build it up. The microphone that I got plugged into this computer right now is a Tascam and it's a portable unit, which uh, is got an audio interface and you can pick them up for about a hundred quid, which, you know, if you use your maths, it just shy of a, uh, just shy of a hundred dollars or whatnot. So, yeah, it just you just build up the equipment bit by bit. Yeah, that's right. You don't necessarily need the the most top notch equipment to get started chasing what you desire. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, rarely is it the case that I see someone, you know, not following their dreams just because they don't have the material means for doing so. It's usually, you know, an internal wall barrier built up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like they even Dave Roll touched upon this. Um, so he uh, got really fed up with uh, with people saying that they can't follow dreams because they because they went to go on, for example, in your country, American Idol, and they waited in line for hours upon hours, got two minutes on stage, and got told that they're terrible. It's like, well, don't listen to these people. They're just judging based on the fact that that you're not going to make their money. 
doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, you could uh, be in your garage or whatever space sucking, but, you know, it's a start because you have to suck to be good. Every success is based on a thousand failures. And uh, people, to me, I don't know about you, it just feels like since the dawn of these reality uh, shows to get you uh, a record contract, people just got lazy. You know, I think there's definitely truth in the idea that you have to fail before you succeed. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like I'm still improving as a writer, but if you look back to some of the things that I wrote years ago, it's, I, I don't think it's near, near to the quality of my writing now. I know, so, definitely. Yeah, and so I would encourage someone if they feel like they're finally pursuing their art and their art isn't coming out the way they want it to, just keep going. Yeah. Keep clearing the pipes. I heard I heard a talk from Ed Sheeran once, you know, one of the greatest songwriters of our time. I, I don't think that's too high of praise for him. But he said, you know, you just have to clear the pipes as a songwriter. Exactly. He, he wrote a lot of bad songs, according to his own words. Um, it's just starting out, but he kept writing and look at him now. Oh, yeah, exactly. Multi-millionaire did a whole show using a loop pedal using a loop pedal, just him on stage, few thousand people with his guitar and a loop pedal. <laughs> you know, that is some skill and that's gonna take a lot of practice. And even with whatever level he was at the time, he probably made a lot of hash ups and uh, sucked using that loop pedal, but doing a whole show, you, yourself, with just a guitar and a loop pedal, that is just amazing. And when you've got a piece of equipment like that, you don't need a band. It's like um, Katie Tunstall, she does the same thing as well. Loop pedals, nice piece of equipment if you can afford it. <laughs> Let's move on. Who are your musical influences? So that's that's kind of a tricky question for me. There was, there was definitely rappers that influenced me growing up that got me into the rap genre. Of mm. course, Eminem, Nas, uh, a little bit of Jay-Z. See, with Nas, I always thought he was a bit of a big-headed rapper. <laughs> you know, he, he was always, me, 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 I, I, I. It's like, okay, okay. But sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, carry on, carry on. No, it's all good, yeah. <laughs> and some of the other uh, musical influences that I have now, I, I like 21 Pilots a lot. Yeah. I like this kid, Alec Benjamin. Not heard of him. Um, yeah, he's a very good songwriter. Okay. Um, I, I I listen to a, a lot of the pop songs that come out. I, I listen to... I, I'm influenced by my peers as well. I work with other artists occasionally. Yeah. And I'll be influenced by their works. I, I don't consume a ton of music. If someone shares with me music that they like, I will certainly listen. But I'm not necessarily looking for, for just like who's the hottest artist out right now. Hmm. So it's a wide variety of music on my Spotify like songs right now. You know, rock, hip hop, pop. Um, I can even get into some country songs if if it's the right one. Yeah. You know, no praise and worship. I've got, yeah, all types of stuff, man. So for me, I I can love anything from opera to musical theater to death metal to black metal to hip-hop, to pop tunes, the whole lot, the whole spectrum, classical, the lot. It's like, 
because in my line of work, I'm exposed to all kinds, all kinds of music genres. And I feel really lucky on that because, you know, one day I'll be working alongside some real beautiful violinists or a solo pianist. And then, for example, the other day I was working on a show where you had a group doing a support act and they were called the Nova Twins. So they're British uh, rappers who uh, rap to their own heavy metal. And these girls, wow, it's the rawest thing I've heard in a long time. It's like, I would never have discovered them had I not worked uh, on, a, on a particular show. I do like having eclectic taste. I mean, what's the most extreme thing that you've liked? Uh, so um, if you start off with hip hop and rap, what would be the most extreme opposite that you still like? Uh, perhaps praise and worship music. I don't know. <laughs> Some would say that's that's um, you know the opposite of rap, or maybe yeah. that'd be the opposite of you know heavy metal or screamo or something like that. But I can get into praise and worship music. Some of it, some of it at least. Oh yeah, I mean, um, don't get me wrong. You get, you know, no matter what genre, it's like with praise and worship music, you might have some uh, musician that's absolutely insanely talented, but you, you know, most people wouldn't hear it because he's doing praise and worship music. It's not mainstream, and it, it is a pity that people just stay. I don't know about you, but even when I grew up. So now you've got people who just only like one particular type of music. And I just think that's just sad and close-minded, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I most people I've come upon are open to different genres. But yeah, some people just, you know, they know what they like and they keep going towards, towards what they like, not knowing that there's other, other genres out there that might be able to provide something for them. Yeah. And I think really there's something in all genres. I mean, most genres that can provide something for us that can speak to us in some way. Like there's some rap songs that speak to me. There's some country songs that, you know, make me feel something. There's pop songs. And I think that's the same way for everyone. So yeah, I mean, that would definitely encourage people to expand their, um, their musical range. Oh, definitely. So, how do you feel about gangster rap uh, from the early 2000s and what do you reckon to it to that in today's uh standards gangster rap in the early 2000s what, what i think of when i think gangster rap is like 50 cent you know g unit <laughs> um yeah, yeah um, so like it's hard for me to generalize there and uh have a strong opinion with it i mean i i I do appreciate some of the beat selections there and I can, I can get into the rhythm. Yeah. You know, of course that's not what I do. Right. No, I mean, no, I'm, exactly. I'm not a gangster rapper. So, no, no. so, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said like, oh, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, the lyrical content of that <laughs> and I, I can really relate to what they're saying. I obviously cannot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, 50 cents, obviously been one of the biggest rappers ever. And he was uh, in his time, but um, see, for me, because uh, of my age, uh, I would be uh, referring to uh, like NWA and uh, and Biggie and Tupac and whatnot, because I was around when they were around uh, before, well, some just got shot because some people just don't know when to shut up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, Tupac, 
Tupac and Biggie, more so Tupac than yeah. Biggie, um, was someone who I listened to growing up yeah. a fair amount. And I, I could appreciate, I, I can appreciate Tupac. And, you know, I like, I like a lot of his songs. I think he, he speaks from the heart. Like oh, he's yeah. got, he's got meaningful music without a doubt. Oh yeah. And, um, it was like poetry. I mean, you may not, uh, a lot of people may not agree with what some of the messages were, but he was definitely uh, a poet when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the wordsmithery of the uh, lyrics. Absolutely. And he inspired like so many of the rappers who I was then inspired by. So like, he's, he's a pioneer. He's someone who, changed the genre who got so many people into the genre so oh yeah it, he, his influence is just undeniable yeah he uh, mainstreamed what was underground uh in that time period he yeah he, he, a, a lot of people may not agree they're like no no it was biggie it's like well it, or it might be ice cube it's like i think they all had a part to play but i think to mainstream it especially in the uk uh it was tupac yeah absolutely i, I would agree if you could rap battle any rapper, past or present, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, <laughs> um, so the thing is, I'm honestly not in battle mode right now. I haven't rap battled for a couple years, over two years now. Yeah. And it's hard for me to answer that question because of that. I'm not, I, I've seen battle rap as something that is limiting for me and does not allow me to be my true self which is why i haven't done it yeah well it's uh to what well, it's basically to insult isn't it you know it's, you can't have a nice uh, nice rap battle it's always insulting and uh winding each other up isn't it well yeah i mean there are uh parody compliment rap battles where you just compliment the person i've never but, heard of that before oh oh yeah dude they exist um, i need to do some reviews of that on the x review channel actually that would be amazing you certainly could yeah. um, I, I i don't know how i feel about that like it's just kind of a, a little corny to me um but yeah i mean just battle rap in the traditional sense obviously isn't an uplifting exercise it's the no. opposite no yeah. it's definitely um <laughs> battle rap is very negative but it could be fun to be negative once in a while but <laughs> so if you were to come out of your uh, hiatus from rap battling anyone who who would you who would you rap battle who would you be like you know what i'd rap battle you because why <laughs> i mean I, I hate to not give you an answer, but the truth is that like, I can't even play that what if game because I just, I'm not in battle mode. Like yeah. I recognize battle rappers out there who are doing their thing that are, you know, are wizards, they're um, lyricists in their own right. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that, but I don't see a space for me there. And okay. so I just like, don't, I, I don't, um, I can't even hypothesize there and be like, oh yeah, this is who I would battle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a shame. Uh, but you know, if you can't at the moment, then that's, that's fine. Maybe uh, you could answer this question in the future. Yeah. Well, you won't know until we get there, I suppose. So um, what's the live events like in your uh, region of the world at the moment, post pandemic? 
so there's a lot of live events happening in Chicago right now, and I'm close to Chicago where I'm located. Yeah. And I've been going out to a lot of those, been doing a lot of performances. And um, yeah, just a really lively scene in Chicago and a lot of people who are open to rap and it's great to see. Awesome, awesome. So uh, with with that, how many shows have you seen since the end of the pandemic in your area? Well, I say end of the pandemic, it's not actually over yet, but since restrictions were at, were relaxed. Oh, well, I mean, I've performed, I've performed a lot, you know, in the last six months even. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm trying, I'm performing multiple times a week. That's um, amazing. At, at different places in Chicago. Yeah. And, um, are they paid? Yeah. Are those paid, or uh, are you doing those as freebies to get out there? Uh, a little combination of both. Yeah. So I'm happy. I like some places. I'm, you know, I'm willing to perform there if they'll have me for free. Yeah. And um, just to get my name out there, and maybe there's a big crowd that might be receptive to what I have to say. And so, yeah. And that's good news. That it's good to hear that because, unfortunately, in in uh, where I live in the UK, in uh, the corner of Wales of the United Kingdom, uh, I'm English by the way, but I live in Wales. Um, it just feels like what was once thriving is just dead because it keeps uh, stopping and starting, stopping and starting. At the moment, they're thinking about doing another lockdown just before Christmas, and we're just saying no, we can't do this. As an industry, you're destroying us because. Um, with these lockdowns, it's just not only killing off the venue, but people are having being forced to move on. You know, being forced to say, I can't play the piano no more because they need to bring uh, money in. So he drives a bus or a guitarist, an amazing guitarist that I know. He's no longer doing that, he's a delivery driver. It really, oh, it's so infuriating. It was, is it like that at all in your area or, or has it, pretty much recovered where i'm at there hasn't been much difficulty with finding shows to perform at and finding venues that will host performers yeah. fortunately oh that's good to hear it's really good to hear it's just uh, it's like at the moment as well um they're paying peanuts as well because uh they it's like during the pandemic uh during the height of the pandemic shall i say yeah uh, you had a real well-known venue. I'm not going to name them for obvious uh, legal reasons because they got owned on this anyways. But they basically turned around and asked for musicians to perform for free in their bar and restaurant. And it's, and they wouldn't even offer them uh, the uh, person a meal. They just wanted to offer you exposure. And it's like, well, you can't be doing that. You know, it's like these people, professionals, you know, you know, and they got called out hard on this. And uh, there, there's an ongoing court case over it as well. It's like, you know, because they're trying to get see people for defamation and whatnot. But it's like, well, you can't be doing this uh, as a leading venue of the industry in that particular city. They're exploiting people. And I just don't think it's fair that they're doing that because they're making a massive tidy profit because everyone, as soon as the lockdowns are over, they're like, yeah, uh, we're making all this money again, but they don't want to pay for the entertainment. I mean, how would you feel with that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it definitely matters what's agreed upon beforehand, before a 
performer performs at a certain venue, but I, yeah. I definitely support the monetization of art in many forms. And I, I want people to be able to make a living doing what they love. And yeah. for a lot of people that's being a musician. And so I hope, I hope venues will be willing to support them. Yeah. It's like, there are ways around it. If a venue can't afford for the entertainment, there are other ways like, uh, you know, on the uh, chip and pin machines that, uh, that they hand you when you're paying your bill and uh, they, it's always on there. Do you want to pay the tip? Well, in the UK, you have the option to pay the tip. You don't, it's not automatically done. So uh, you can either pay the tip or not by pressing the tip button. So why couldn't they put a uh, tip button for the band? Yeah, if they can't afford it or even at the front of the stage there's the collection jar where you can put your money in on so you can individually tip it at the band or whatnot or even pay them a small amount and then still let them have the band collection but a lot of people are just being tight about that it it's just tragic because at the end of the day you've got people that need to earn a living as well and they, it, it just feels like they're being exploited yeah and i'm sure certain I'm, I'm sure certain people are definitely who are in the music industry and it's unfortunate but but what your suggestion is a very good point like you could just have a tip jar up there and yeah there's a lot of generous people who do support artists yeah it's like uh, say there's a hundred tables and um and they put a service charge for the entertainment as uh two dollars for you or two pound in my country as a table charge for the entertainment that's that then pays for the entertainment and me as a diner i would love to say okay right yeah two pound that's for the entertainment that's value for money because if you're going to see a show in a concert hall or go see a show in a theater you're paying about 40 50 quid anyways so what's two quid or uh, two dollars or whatnot yeah, that's right. And, you know, if everyone gave just a little bit, it would make a big difference. Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, or even, um, for example, uh, it's starting to, certain things are starting to annoy uh, musicians that I know, and that is uh, Spotify royalties. Do you know how much Pharrell Williams earned uh, from Spotify last year from royalties? Just Spotify. No, I do not know. It was just under $10,000. So Pharrell Williams, who sold, sold millions of records, who uh, gets millions of plays a year, he got just like, shy of $10,000 for his royalties from Spotify. Unfortunately, it just feels like um, musicians these days, up and coming people, they're just being laughed at by streaming services. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I know a lot of artists who are unhappy with Spotify and yeah. feel like they exploit artists yeah. and um they they just don't give them what they deserve no definitely not i mean it's like fractions of uh pennies per play what annoys me the most is uh so their business model is whatever uh, the fee monthly fee yeah uh, for the full version of it which is uh what in over here it's like five pounds a month for the full version of it so you add three so that fiver 
that you uh, that you're spending if you listen to five tracks for a month which is not value for money for that customer that's good money for the people that you listen to the tracks because that's five pounds being split up between five tracks whereas uh, if you uh, pay that five pounds and you listen to a thousand tracks uh, a week then uh, that fiver doesn't go far at all it's just a real horrible business model well good for that uh, spotify but not for the artists if you know what i mean yeah i understand what you're saying yeah, yeah. so um, let's move on quickly uh, so we'll start rounding things up um, do you have any new tracks coming out in the near future and if you do what are they and when are they out i do my next single re- is going to be released on december 17th that's a friday yeah and it's called class clown awesome I have a really cool cover art uh, for this track. It's me sitting in in a classroom. Yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of my friends behind me, and they're they're kind of goofing off. They're causing chaos in the classroom, and I'm just sitting in the front with a belt in my hand <laughs> and uh, looking very very angry. And I have yeah. a clown nose on me um, to kind of represent that idea of me being the class clown. And let me tell you a little bit more about you know, where that idea comes from. Go on, go on. So in medieval times, the jester was some was one of the only people who could speak truth to the king. And that was because the jester dressed ridiculously and the king wasn't threatened by him. The jester okay. would, would dance like a fool and people would laugh at him. And that would be totally disarming to the king. Yeah. And then the jester could like make a quick remark at the king and maybe tell him something about about how he shouldn't be involved in a war or something along those lines yeah they always had and, the ears of the king they always had the ear yeah that isn't that right yeah and and i feel like as a rapper in society i play a kind of similar role because rappers you know aren't maybe taken as seriously as some other professions And so perhaps I have the ability to speak truth to power in a way that other people do not. And so I plan on using that ability in the future. And I call myself the class clown for the time being. It's a great concept that it really is a smart and well thought out concept. And I'm looking forward to hearing that track. So uh, where would you be able to find this track for anyone that's listening? Oh, you can find this track on all the music platforms, basically, when it drops on December 17th. Um, I have a pre-save link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is at mandala.raps, if anyone is interested. But um, it will be on Spotify. It will be on YouTube eventually. It will be on Apple Music. So basically, however you listen to music, if you look for my name, Mandala, and type in Class Clown, you'll be able to find the track. Brilliant, brilliant. So, loosely, what are your plans for next year in 2022? Oh, my my plans for 2022 is just to to start a fire, basically, to be to explode and to perform at any at as many music venues as I can, put out as much fire music as I can, and I have a lot of singles lined up. I have a music video that I'm going to drop. Um, I'm hoping to be on some more podcasts. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I have a big show coming up in Chicago on December 18th. 
at the Athenaeum Theater. So a lot of shows, a lot of new music, music videos. It's going to be a busy year. That sounds amazing. Would you uh, be getting any live tracks uh, up? Do you reckon? So uh, if you uh, get some, if you can get hold of some with a uh, DSLR camera and get a uh, Zoom recorder or a Tascam recorder plugged into it, and then you can just make get a sound feed from the uh, sound desk, then you've got a nicer uh, image as well as uh, perfect uh, audio recording. Yeah, that that definitely could be in the future, and I have some footage from my last performance um, that I probably will be uploading soon and that'll give a live feel that'll be a live performance of some of my tracks and I do post some live content on my Instagram and my Facebook so so yeah that's a part of the content that I will also be releasing this year brilliant and next brilliant um so my next question is, would you like to come back on this show? Because uh, next year, my plan for 2022 is to uh, get more discussion-based podcasts uh, with with artists uh, and we just talk about things with going on with the industry. Would you be happy to come back? I would be happy to come back, Paul. Awesome. Because it's been great having you on here. And I've enjoyed this conversation with you. Thanks, man. Likewise. Cool. So uh, you've already answered my final question about the upcoming gigs, but you know I've really enjoyed you being on this show, and uh, I definitely want to be able to do some more collaborative work on podcasts such as this. And uh, I definitely want to be uh, getting some more reviews of your uh, work because I love listening to your work. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate what you're doing too. I enjoy listening to you, Thanks. and I hope to collaborate with you more in the future as well. Just out of curiosity. Have you listened to any of my story-based podcasts? I've listened to what you've posted on your um, social medias. Yeah. Is there a different platform that holds some of your different content? Uh, well, um, you'll find it on any um, on any of the uh, big platforms such as Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify. It's all there. It's all there. So you could probably uh, go onto any random podcast platform and type in Master X Media and you'll come across uh, a tribute to men that hate their jobs 30 years since and uh, Gumshoe. Gumshoe is a bit bait, I have to say. <laughs> uh, have you heard any of the uh, Gumshoe podcasts by any chance? No, but I'll have to check that out. Right, so Gumshoe, the main character yeah. is Percival Reginald Vert and he runs the PVAT Detective Agency. It's set in the future where uh, the police have been completely defunded so yeah, people can get justice and affordable justice. The government have outsourced uh, it to gumshoes. So uh, Percival, he charges 250 uh, big ones uh, a day for an investigation, whereas the police will charge you a thousand big ones. And uh, <laughs> Percival just takes on all the sleaziest uh, rubbish jobs that no one wants to touch. And he's a pervert. He's uh, <laughs> he's a real nasty piece of work that will stoop so low as. Uh, robbing people's cats and dogs and then uh, pretending that he's found and so he gets the reward money. He's that kind of, uh, how can I put it, arsehole. <laughs> well, that's a pretty interesting storyline, Paul. It is, oh. it is. And uh, <laughs> it gets a bit bizarre in certain uh, cases. So every uh, 
every every uh, episode is a different case. So it gets it can be uh, pretty brutal, especially when he's sleazing on the women as well. So <laughs> you wouldn't. The only reason why it's funny is because it's not funny, if that makes it, sense. Right, right. It sometimes it, it adds humor to it. Oh, definitely. Because because it's something that people shouldn't be laughing at. Exactly. That's the point. You know, uh, the modern day snowflake might not see the humor behind it, but, uh, you know, I'm from the old school comedy, uh, such as uh, British comedy, such as Bottom, The Young Ones, Monty Python, where it, or even Benny Hill, where pure smart is not funny in the real world. It just isn't. But it's funny because it's not funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, yeah. That, I, I, yeah, that's I understand how, that concept. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's what Gumshoe is all about. It's just outrageous. If it happened in real life, someone would go to jail. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then uh, you got thirty years since, which is uh, set in set thirty years after after an alien invasion, and uh, it it's not a comedy. It's sci-fi drama, and it, it is quite brutal in certain respects because the people of Earth are fighting for uh, their planet back. So, yeah, it's a a big eclectic mix of some interesting imagination. If you you get a chance, definitely listen to it. There'll be links to it in the description of this uh, podcast. So if you get a chance, and anyone that's listening, get a chance to listen to it. It's something completely different. It's been real nice talking to you. And, for sure, um, man. I appreciate it. And I want to thank everyone for listening. So, um, if uh, so, before we go, just remind everyone how to get hold of your work. Sure. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I post a lot of content on there. My my handle is at mandala.raps. That's M-A-N-D-A-L-A dot raps. Um, I'm also on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook. So basically, wherever you listen to music, you can find me and also on the social medias as as well. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this content, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, please check in the description below for all the information that Mandela and myself have gone over with all our content. And uh, we shall catch you next time. Bye for now. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show how about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show mm-hmm.